Uh, but one of the authors of today's story in the Boston Herald, if you haven't read it yet, you should. We've been reading from it all day long here on Jones and Mego with Arcan. It's Andrew Callahan of the Boston Herald. He joins us on the Harbor One Hotline. Andrew, thanks for taking the time today. We appreciate it. You got it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Happy New Year, understanding that Larry David outlawed that wish. Uh, uh, yesterday, you get three days, but I've not seen anyone, so I want to say Happy New Year. Okay, well, Happy New Year to you. I wished uh, Tommy Curran a Happy New Year earlier today, and he uh, he shot it down. He didn't it was want a it. major faux pas, and we were all very embarrassed. Yeah, it was, it was a social faux pas, indeed. <laughs> Yeah, that's Tommy Curran for you. Yeah, so uh, lots of uh, lots of social faux pas, uh, among others, being committed uh, by the Patriots. You wrote about the dysfunction, uh, I would say top to bottom, but it really did focus on the coaching staff. It really did go back to, well, Bill Belichick, in essence, being forced to move on from his guy, Matt Patricia, replace him with Bill O'Brien. Um, why Why was that sort of the the first domino in a disaster of a season for the Patriots? Well, because, again, the whole story here is put up against the backdrop of last season. Or if you go back to your shows, or you go to my articles or podcasts or whatever, we're all saying, oh, my God, this is the worst offense of the Bill Belichick era. They go 8-9. They missed the playoffs. Two losing seasons in three years. Fast forward, of course. No, no, no. This is the worst offense, not only in the Bill Belichick era, but in the NFL right now. This is now three losing seasons in four years. And so we go, well, how the heck did this happen? And the big change, the first change, was Matt Patricia going out, Joe Judge getting reassigned, and Bill O'Brien brought in. Then everything else stems from that. This is not a simple answer about why everything went wrong or who is most at fault. But when you look at the main characters in the story, obviously it's Bill, meaning Belichick, then O'Brien, and then you go on from there. Andrew, when you, you guys dove pretty deep into the offensive line situation, what do you think is the bigger issue that we saw there? Was it the coaching and the techniques that changed partway through the year, or was it just the lack of talent on in that unit? I think it's a lack of talent because you still have players like David Andrews, Mike Unwayo functioning at a high level, uh, Trent Brown there for a time, regardless of whether the techniques were those taught basically in the first half of the season when Clem was the coach or in the second half when it was this combination of Bill Belichick, Billy Yates, and then James Farron stepping up um, to fill a role that he's not really suited for. And so I think you just look at that week one starting lineup. You have two rookies at guard. Part of this is due to health. Calvin Anderson, who didn't practice at all, but also wasn't ever a starter in his career prior to signing here. And Riley Reef, who someone had told me, like, he got benched after two non-padded practices in training camp because Josh Uche would beat him nine out of ten times in the one-on-one, and the tenth would probably be a tie. And so those aren't issues if it's a different player at tackle. Even if they're hurt, you just say, okay, when Orlando Brown comes back, He's the guy. He's the starter. So it's not just injuries. I think it really was the, the talent. So, Andrew, last year you and Karen wrote your sort of year-end uh, treatise about what happened and how it all sort of broke down. And this year it was an in-season one. But I guess the question is, uh, based on sort of the way, and I thought there were a lot of similarities really in, uh, in this year and last year in the offensive problems, when you're talking to these people, is it, is it different this year? Is it sort of more mounting frustration, or was it sort of new, fresh problems that everyone was having? I would say fresh problems. You just kind of shuffled the deck chairs around, understanding, look, we heard all throughout the spring and summer, and I echoed this too. Again, go back to my hits in the summer or whatever, just saying this will be an 8, 9, maybe 10-win team. Players are excited about Bill O'Brien. There's organization here. There's structure. There's a why that Mac Jones had wanted all of last year from Matt Patricia. Why are we doing this? How does this make sense? And so when I talk to people, 
look, like the genesis of this was the worst loss of Belichick's tenure in Dallas, followed by the worst shutout in Patriots history against New Orleans. Like that's when things changed and everyone just said the season's basically over. Um, and there was a universal agreement on that, but a couple people felt that way, including Devin McCourty. And so I just started asking, okay, why? How did this get here? What happened? And that's when you start to get answers when we started pulling at the string and everything else followed that over the rest of the year. Okay, so so Andrew, you and Doug did a great job taking us inside on some of the dysfunction that I think we could feel from the outside, but, but you had some great details uh, within the story. Uh, two interactions I think really jumped out. What can you tell us about... Uh, well, the the shouting match between Jack Jones, maybe it was one-sided, and Mike Pellegrino in Germany, and more specifically, Adrian Clem and Matt Groh early in the season. So, yeah, and, and you guys have both mentioned this so far, and I, I want to shout out Doug and Karen because I was incredibly lucky, and Meggo can speak to this from her time at the Herald, getting to learn under Karen, work with her, and then losing a local legend like her and being able to replace her with Doug. This story is not possible without either of them. I'm incredibly fortunate to be able to work with them, brainstorm, and then share sources. And so when we heard about these instances, um, you know, the Jack Jones one obviously came out after he was cut because, you know, Doug, Doug had heard he was kind of immature there. They couldn't get him on board. And then I started asking around, and that's what came back to me. It was at halftime. He was upset about not starting for a second straight week. He felt he was better than the players who had started. And yet his play didn't reflect that. So they couldn't even get him an agreement about – hey, you're giving up multiple catches every game and you're playing in a limited role. What do you mean you're better? Like, show us you're better. And he couldn't do that. Mind you, also, after blowing the coverage at the end of the Dolphins game in Miami, where they lost in that touchdown, that was on Jack Jones. As for Adrian Clem and Matt Groh, my understanding is that, you know, that was a blow-up that really, you know, everyone heard. Front office, coaching staff. And Clem just felt like he wasn't heard. And part of this was due to the athleticism of the tackles. And you look at their players, like, you know, Tyrell Wheatley Jr. hasn't played, but, like, that dude does not lack for athleticism. The issue was he felt he was giving a lot of input. It wasn't being heard. And so when he has to roll with these day three rookies in week one and two and everyone's going, oh, the offensive line st- stinks, it's Adrian Clem's fault. He's like, well, what have I been given? How much time do I have? And when I do have input, it's not being heard with the front office. So it sounds like there is t- so much division among the coaches, the front office, obvious dysfunction, according to your reporting. I'm wondering, do you feel like throughout the season that some of Bill O'Brien's ability to connect with the offense, and I'm not trying to let him off the hook for an ineffective offense, but do you feel like his voice was able to get through to the offense or what exactly went wrong there from his coaching perspective? I do because honestly, Mego, from more people I talked to, you know, there was a real shift from the types of meetings that were held last year and sometimes even under Josh McDaniels to those held this year. And it was because his voice was the only one really being heard in these meetings where like, if you imagine holding a pre-show meetings, but it's not just the three of you and maybe the producers, you're also going to include Gresham Fourier and then the guys in the morning with Courtney. Like, not all of you need to be there because you're talking about different shows. That was the offensive line. Those were the receivers. That was the running backs and quarterbacks hearing Bill O'Brien go about every single thing about the offense when it didn't pertain to them and because they didn't hold as many positional meetings because my sense of what I was told is that he just didn't trust the assistants with whom he was working. And that was a big issue. So, In that, you have guys like Dan Orlovsky. You can go back late November. You guys talked to him. He's like, the details in this offense stink. This is the worst I've ever seen. Yeah, because guys are zoning out. (laughs) It's not about their unit. There's these big meetings, and that's it. You don't break out. You don't work on the finer details or have the time to because he's the one who only feels like. And honestly, 
I think he's probably right to feel this way when you look at some of the guys on staff and their inexperience. Guys who played defense in college six years ago, now leading positions at running back and receiver, and go, I'm much better at this. I might as well do it all myself. Andrew, the uh, the tension between O'Brien and Belichick when O'Brien was first hired, I thought you detailed very well, uh, especially when it came to the uh, the personnel and the assistants. Um, Belichick clearly wasn't about you know letting Bill uh, letting O'Brien clean house. Was that something that kind of over the course of the season did that kick upstairs? Was that sort of a, a lingering problem all year? So the tricky part was I know for a fact there are people on staff who understand that when Bill O'Brien got here in January. He did want a clean house. That's what they believed. I couldn't confirm it for myself. Like, there's a distinction between what people believe and what actually happened. Now, I think it is important that people on staff working around or perhaps under Bill O'Brien felt that way. Like, if you understood that the guy who you're reporting to might have wanted to fire you and you still have to go through the season and the grind at 16-hour days, it's going to make you feel a little bit differently. Um, but I don't know that for a fact. So we, we cited that in the story. As far as between Belichick and O'Brien, you know, I think Bill O'Brien was allowed to handle the offense like Josh McDaniels did, where it's like, hey, you're the head coach of the offense. I'm going to come in and have my say. I'm going to tell you how I want to handle and manage this game in staff meetings, and then you go from there. But Belichick did have more say as the season went on because he had to step in and take over part of the offensive line room. I mean, he wasn't running all the meetings and certainly not running any drills, but he had more input there. It was part of a necessity. Then you lose Ross Douglas, who just goes to Syracuse for the same title in the middle of a year. And I think they just kind of realized we're trying to patch holes and it doesn't really matter at this point as far as between O'Brien and Belichick, um, any, any kind of personal things. Okay, so is it done? How, how likely is it that Bill Belichick is back? I, I wish I knew. I mean, we would have put that in the story. It would have had a different title and a lead. Like, take it, a, it would have been in there. Take a guess. Because, in, the words of, in the words of Mad Dog, take a guess. Well, here's the thing. I, w- I would put it in my personal opinion and, and guess. This is Andrew Callahan guessing, no reporting behind this is, is less than 50. Like, I think it's more likely than not that Bill Belichick is gone after the season, mutual parting of the ways. Again, there are people on staff that I know who were making plans for next season back in October. One of them has already left. Like, whether or not Ross Douglas is planning or that, I don't know. But that says everything you need to. And here's, here's the thing I want to get across, because I go to those sources all across the building and just say, look, my job is to talk about you and get it right. And the best way for me to do this is to talk to you first and get your perspective. So set me straight. And that's where all this reporting comes from. Guys that wanted their truth heard about this, because I've been doing this for a little while now and talking to lots of people. So if they wanted their say, they contributed to this story, and that's how it came out. Not any speculation like I just made about Bill, but real hard reporting on what people told me about what happened and and why this all unraveled the way it did. Okay, he's Andrew Callahan uh, alongside Doug Kide in the Boston Herald. Check out the latest there. Uh, it is fascinating, great detail on the dysfunction within the Patriots this year. Uh, check him out in the Herald. Follow him on Twitter at underscore Andrew Callahan. Andrew, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Appreciate you guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Andrew Callahan. Thank you, Andrew. He joins us on the Harbor One Hotline as all our guests.